Welcome to Foresight Friday Roundup, Foresight Health's podcast series for healthcare revolutionaries. Outcomes matter, customers count, and value rules. Hello again, everyone. This is Dave Berta, news editor at Foresight Health. On today's episode of Foresight Friday Roundup, we're going to talk about the nation's public health infrastructure and what COVID-19 told us about what shape that infrastructure is in. We're going to talk about where the public health system in the U.S. worked during COVID-19, where the public health system failed during COVID-19, and what we have to do to fix the public health system moving forward. Assuming we do need to fix a few things are our resident experts on Foresight Friday Roundup, Dave Johnson, founder and CEO of Foresight Health, and Gary Bisbee, co-founder and executive chairman of the Health Management Academy. Dave, Gary, how are you guys doing on this last Friday in August? Morning. Hanging in there. <laughs> that doesn't sound too enthusiastic. Come on, guys. I'm pumped up for the last Friday in August. <laughs> All right. Well, maybe maybe this topic will get us rolling here. So, <laughs> oh yeah, this is a real this is a real uplifting topic you've picked today, Dave. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, be- before we talk about the strengths and weaknesses in our public health system, brought to you by the pandemic, uh, let's talk about uh, any public health people we know. Uh, Dave, do you know anyone in public health right now, and do they still have a job? <laughs> well, yeah, most of the people I know in public health are, are very busy right now, actually, Dave. But what uh, your question reminds me of is I used to um, serve on the visiting committee at Harvard Medical School and occasionally teach at the School of Public Health at, at Harvard. And uh, the medical school is in this beautiful marble building, columns in front of it, surrounded by billions of dollars of investment in healthcare facilities, research, Dana-Farber, uh, the Brigham um, uh, Children's Hospital, and the public health building on Huntington Avenue looks like um, mid-century Soviet architecture, you know, cement, <laughs> <laughs> uneven floors, buckets, uh, in, in the, you know, to catch dripping water. And I, I've been thinking about that as a, as a metaphor for our, our public health infrastructure. You know, right there in Longwood, um, you've got uh, this gleaming medical enterprise and this uh, almost decrepit public health uh, enterprise. And I don't at all mean to demean the Harvard School of Public Health. It's an incredible institution, but the relative investment is breathtaking. Yeah, it does paint a picture. Uh, Gary, who do you know in public health and how are they doing? Well, thinking about politicians that are making public health decisions, coming at it from that standpoint, the national politicians are in uncharted waters and they're required to make decisions with insufficient data and they're obviously struggling. It's it's a heavy lift. Local politicians, my little town, New Canaan, Connecticut, actually are doing pretty well. Uh, they have added substantial value to the community there and um, including calls every night at 7 p.m. and Amazing how many people are waiting for that, for that call to get the, the most recent update. 
Got it. Yeah. My, uh, my daughter just got it, got a job at the Cook County Health Department in Chicago. So uh, I'm looking forward to hearing some great stories about county government at Thanksgiving dinner this year. All right. Now on to today's topic. Uh, Dave, when you look back at how the public health system in the U.S. handled the, uh, the COVID-19 outbreak, uh, what did it do well? Well, as the old joke goes, Dave, there's got to be a pony in there somewhere, right? Um, the, the pandemic, if nothing else, has demonstrated the importance of public health. You know, it's like oxygen when it's there in abundance. Uh, we don't even notice it. Uh, when, when it's gone, uh, people die. Uh, and I do believe there is a greater appreciation for the role of public health uh, in society. It's, it's interesting to note that creating a new public health infrastructure was the topic of the first joint policy discussion last week between Joe Biden and Kamala Harris after Biden picked her as his VP candidate. Um, you know, as Gary mentioned, I, I think the blocking and tacking, tackling in, in local areas uh, has sometimes been very good. Um, new York, New Jersey, after taking a, a real punch, um, have maintained very low uh, new infection and mortality rates. The population seems to have stepped up to the, the challenges of, of acting in a collective way to defeat the pandemic. Uh, that certainly hasn't been true everywhere. Uh, in Minnesota, the nine CEOs, health system CEOs, uh, get together every Wednesday to coordinate, and that's uh, that's made a big difference there. And Tony Fauci is now a household name. Uh, Americans have a whole new vocabulary, Defense Production Act, contract tracing, PP&E, PCR and serology tests, disease spread, non-symptomatic exposure, and so on. Uh, and I think that's collectively for our good, although we've paid a hell of a price for it. Uh, the truth is America was already sick before the coronavirus came to our shores and COVID-19 has exploited health disparities. It's exposed the fragmented nature of, of America's public health and healthcare infrastructure, revealed how community health and public health are integrally related. Uh, there was a RAND study in um, 2017 that, that detailed that today America spends about 90% of its healthcare dollars to treat chronic disease and mental health conditions. About a quarter of Americans have three or more chronic diseases. Uh, they consume two thirds of American healthcare spending. If nothing else is getting through our collective thick skull, America needs to be a healthier country uh, that values preventative care and appreciates public health's vital role uh, in our national well-being. Got it. Thanks, Dave. Uh, Gary, same thing. Uh, what did the public health system here do well during the pandemic? Dave cited public health literacy as, as one of the positive outcomes. Well, let's think about what is the public health system. There's 3,000 federal, state, and local agencies. As Dave mentioned, they're fragmented. Certainly, there's not any kind of national coordination. In many cases, there's not even state coordination. Uh, they've been chronically underfunded. We can talk more about that later. But I think the point being that it, within that context, then let's say, how did the people working in public health do? And as Dave pointed out, we have had some governors uh, that have stepped up. The amount of information that was available at the outset was 
minimal, which is a problem we can talk about a little bit later. If you look at the federal agencies, which are focused largely on scientific research, such as NIH, FDA, they've done and do a terrific job. If you look at the care delivery agencies, HHS, CMS, and so on, I think it's fair to say that if the goal is to pay for care, that they do a pretty good job. The look at the public health focused agency, of which is the CDC, it has been chronically underfunded to the point that it, making a contribution in a situation like this is just very difficult for them. So bottom line is uh, I think the state agencies have done as well as they could. I think the local agencies in some cases have done more even than you might expect from a research science basis. I think that the federal agencies have continued to do well. They made the point about health equity being exposed by the pandemic. It's embarrassing in this country that we've had to have the pandemic bring that to the fore. On the other hand, we have, through Medicaid expansion, basically 10 years ago, we've got now something like 30 million more people on Medicaid. So we have, on the health side, made some important advancements in the country. Social services, not so much. And that's where the problem really is and one that we need to work on. But bottom line, uh, given the constraints, I think the people in public health have uh, have done a good job, maybe even better than good. Good. Dave, anything to add to, to Gary's comments? The only thing I'd add is um, that this crisis uh, has cost the nation in the trillions, whereas previous public health crisis, you know, Ebola, the bird flus, SARS, the, the costs have been in the billions. So this is just orders of magnitude greater in terms of impact in almost every way you can measure day-to-day -day life, economic, uh, mortality, uh, and so on. And I just hope we we can build from this going forward and and i guess now we're going to get to the glasses half full part of this uh <laughs> discussion but dave i think that is the point is that we'll talk yeah. about the failures which we could spend a lot of time talking about that but yeah but what do you think really is the odds that we'll take this situation and substantially grow from it substantially think about a public health infrastructure that's coordinated, think about the data, think about health equity. What do you think the odds really are that we'll actually address that? I think they're better than 50-50. I mean, they aren't 100%, but maybe I'm being overly optimistic, but I just can't imagine we'd ever want to put ourselves through this again. And that's that old quote sometimes attributed to Winston Churchill, you know, Americans always do the right thing after they've tried every other alternative. Um, this is this is hard-earned experience of, of the hardest kind. And when we've had these types of moments in the country's history in the past, we've... Um, gathered ourselves and moved forward. Civil War, the 1890s, the Great Depression, uh, World War II. I, it's that kind of moment. So I, I'm, I believe we're, and I almost can't 
not believe that we won't uh, rise to the occasion. Gary, what, what do you think the uh, kind of the biggest failure in the public health system was during uh, COVID? You know, why did it fail and, and what do we do to fix that? Well, that's a $64 question. Let's go back to the point that public health is chronically underfunded in this country. It's not a priority. It's a lot more fun and rewarding to perform surgery or save somebody's life than it is to think about public health issues. But specifically, what could have happened differently? Well, one thing is that the CDC, which is charged with data modeling, among other things, really wasn't out in front on this one. And maybe if they were, I'm not sure who would have listened to them. But the point of the matter is that CDC has been underfunded for years. Uh, that's the source that we should turn to for first-class, top-priority data modeling. So we should have known uh, when this was going to hit our shores. We should have known the speed of the surge. We should have known the regional differences. And all of those were knowable, but they weren't really available because there was a shortage of data modeling of any sophistication. We all know about the testing issues. We know about reporting. We, again, should look at the CDC for reporting on a pandemic like this and who had to do it. Basically, volunteers at institutions uh, were the ones. And then think tanks joined in. That's where the reporting has been. Pandemic planning, as near as I can tell, the last really significant pandemic plan at the national level was uh, George Bush. So that hasn't really been kept up to speed. Stockpiles in the country really are focused more on bioterrorism. They're not focused on the sorts of supplies, PPE, and so on that we need for pandemics. And, of course, we're in the middle of a highly partisan time. So the red-blue issues came up to the point that uh, some public health officers at the local levels are, are being attacked physically and resigning. And then the last point, and the one that we could spend a lot of time on and ultimately is probably the biggest problem, that is leadership uh, at the national level, which hasn't been sufficient and has been actually confusing and providing incomplete and inaccurate data. So beyond beyond that, we're in good shape, fellas. <laughs> All right, Dave, are you going to bring us down even further? Uh, where did it break down? Why did it break down? And where do we go from here? Yeah, we've been we've been kicking this pony pretty hard, right? I, Gary's right. I thought his assessment was spot on that under the second push, we we really did uh, begin to have a coordinated approach to pandemics. Uh, it was more focused on bioterrorism. Uh, you remember anthrax, and it was more focused on localized outbreaks, which is the way America's responded to disasters historically. It's just like the hurricanes this week, they aren't happening everywhere in the country, and the, the federal government can go to beleaguered areas and, and really provide a lift. I don't think what we fully appreciated is 
what could happen when a, an extreme event attacks the entire country uh, seemingly all at once or at least in close proximity. And historically, the CDC has been the gold standard in the world for how to to think about infectious disease, and it's been completely neutered in this this process. So, I, I mean, we could we could go through the the breakdowns in communication, lack of coordination, denials, the uh, the wishful thinking, so on and so forth. I, I think everybody knows that. What I feel is that we've experienced a national catastrophe on the order of Pearl Harbor, and there was this great moment during the um, Korean War at another very low point in American history. George Keenan, after uh, MacArthur's failed Incheon invasion, which is what brought the Chinese into the Korean War and ultimately led to stalemate, which continues to this day, uh, wrote a letter to his boss, Dean Acheson, the Secretary of State, that said we needed to accept our losses and without bluster take a very hard, honest look at what we were doing and how we were doing it. And if necessary, go all the way back to the beginning uh, and start from scratch to rebuild, uh, just like we did with the defense industry right after Pearl Harbor. That's our opportunity here is to take a real hard, honest look and engage the American people in that type of discussion. And it's a pretty dark hour. And certainly you wouldn't believe, particularly given attacks on public health officials, as as Gary was talking about, JAMA had an article on that this week. It's not at all certain that the country will will come along, but it uh, the need is is as apparent as it's it's been during any other national crisis. And again, I like to believe there's a capacity in 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 our country to to rise during these moments of tragedy as we have in the past. So let's go rebuild the public health infrastructure, and then by the way, fix healthcare at the same time. Gary, do you think we're going to be able to take that uh, hard, honest look and rebuild, as as Dave said? Well, one point of interest is that 10 years ago, we had the High Tech Act, which ultimately spent $35 billion to digitize medical care. Congress recently appropriated $500 million for public health data purposes. And the disparity between $35 billion and $500 million is what we're dealing with here. Public health is not and really never has been a sexy topic. And to get to that point where the body politic is going to indicate to our politicians that they care about this is a little hard to see how we're going to make major gains. I'm sure there will be incremental gains. I would think that Congress will allocate more dollars to the CDC, for example. You'd like to think that they would allocate more dollars to HHS to develop programs building on disparities in care and services. But it's a little hard to see where those dollars are coming from. And until we can decide that there is a priority on public health, frankly, I'm not as optimistic as Dave is. I worry from the standpoint that if we can come up with a vaccine that actually works, or vaccines, I should say, there will be more than one that actually work. If we can sometime in the next 18 months get to the point where we're through COVID and coronavirus as it exists today, I think memories are 
relatively short, and I I worry about that. Kerry Weems, uh, Gary, one of our our writers at Foresight Health, was acting head of uh, CMS uh, during the second Bush year, says has three iron rules about pandemics, right? Uh, Before a pandemic, any money spent is too much. During a pandemic, any money spent is too little. And the third one is people quickly forget. (laughs) So, you know, you're kind of keying into that. What do you think? potentially of having a moment like in 1961 when Kennedy uh, created the Peace Corps. Do you think we could send out a call to Americans to create a Peace Corps-like initiative to attack public health and really get our young people engaged in this? I love the idea. And with a leader that had the visibility among the population and the attractiveness among the population like Kennedy had, Absolutely. Now, would it be funded with the sorts of issues we're talking about today, which is a U.S. data superhighway and so on? That's an, that's a different matter. Could we have a Peace Corps for public health? Absolutely. But it's going to take a leader to create the vision in this country and then to follow through on it. The reality is it wouldn't actually take that much money. Right. But it will take leadership. And again, I love the idea. I think it would be a terrific one. I don't know if the leadership of either party, frankly, is up to it, but I love the idea. Yeah. Well, I've got a, a slogan for it. Let's make public health sexy again. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't right. yeah, well, I got that from you, Gary. That means it was sexy at one time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right. Well, you know, when the last great victory for public health was back in the early 1900s when they cleaned up the water supply. And uh, it's been downhill right. ever since. Well, water flows downhill, Gary. You know, that's that's just one yeah, that's right. just a rule of nature. That's, that's it. <laughs> there you go. Called it. Let's uh, let's talk about next week. Uh, Gary, uh, what's your prediction for the big healthcare headline next week? I assume that the people are interested in the election now. We're through both of these uh, conventions, I guess you could call them, and we'll be watching the battle between uh, Trump and Biden. And at some point that will kind of hunker down on health care. And I'm not sure when that's going to be. It may not be next week, but it might be. I do think the topic we discussed today will continue to rise up at various points in time. And hopefully, hopefully, Following Dave's lead, we can see some progress there in terms of getting a commitment to uh, to more focus on public health. Got it, uh, Dave. What's going to be on everyone's healthcare radar next week? Well, we we cross into September uh, next week. Hard to believe, and thoughts turn to school and the autumn and and so on. And I, I think we're going to now that we're past the conventions, we're going to be spending a lot of time about. Uh, how we go to school this fall. Got it. Yeah, safely and securely, right? Hopefully. All right. Well, thanks, Dave, and thanks, Gary. Clearly, it's time to support our public health system more than we have. Uh, And speaking of time, we are out of it for today. Uh, If you'd like to learn more about the topics we discussed, please visit our website at foresighthealth.com. Thanks again for listening. I'm Dave Berta for Foresight Health.